Welcome to KidTech, the podcast series about the people and companies shaping the kids' digital media sector. Today, I'm with Brenda the Biz Bisner, uh, who's the SVP of Content and Business Development at Kidoodle uh, TV. Uh, Kidoodle is a kid-safe, COPPA and GDPRK compliant safe streaming service for children under the age of 12. Um, now available in 140 countries, mm-hmm. right? And it, uh, Kadoodle is a safe alternative to YouTube, and we're going to jump into that whole ball of wax about YouTube and kids um, a little bit later on. But welcome, Brenda. Why, thank you, Dylan. Nice to be here. Um, and speaking of being here, yes. um, can you um, talk about your, your professional journey to this point? Because you, you've been in you know, kids' content for a while, right? Yeah, it's a very long time. I know I look young. Um, <laughs> 18 years, going on 18 years. It all started a very long time ago with a gentleman named Tommy Lynch. Uh, hi, Tommy. Um, I grew up watching Kids Incorporated, which he created, and uh, started working with him. He's really the godfather of tween programming and created some of the biggest shows that are you know in our industry today. And learn the ropes. He really raised me in the business and I hustled my way um, with him and then before I left produced the first reality show for Nickelodeon um, and said I wanted to move to New York and I wanted to get into international distribution. I was young and hungry and I wanted to travel the world and I was willing to get on an airplane to anywhere to work. Um, And in those days it was home video deals (laughs) which are incredibly complicated deals and no longer a thing and um, navigated that really well, learned uh, about working with different cultures in the business. And it was about that time when I was at a MIPCOM in Cannes and digital started to become a word that was being used. And, and I, what, when was that roughly? This was like when did people discover digital? Four, five, six, right. something. It's like right. some blurry mess there. Um, but it was the flip phones, the Nokia, we're all going to be rich off mobile, the mobile content boom. And I got really excited about it because my father worked for Hughes Aircraft and worked on the stealth bomber and built mainframes. I've always been attached to a tech side and I got really excited about, I mean, he used to build me my own games on his computer in the garage. So I was like, okay, this is interesting to me. And I started to focus on learning everything I could. And at that time, uh, Porchlight, a company that did JJ the jet plane and Animalia was launching an online platform for kids right after Kabillion launched, which was uh, arguably one of the first ones. And so I had the first video destination, sorry, the second video destination for two to 12 year olds and walked around markets with a PDF that was color, you know, printed. And I would say, here's where I'll put your content. Here's how I'll monetize it. And we were creating that time, you know, the first deal memo that would be really used because Mm -hmm. no lawyer knew anything besides a traditional broadcast or home video deal. Um, and, then, and so what, what did those early deals look like? Oh, they were terrible. I mean, people, <laughs> I, I acquired a thousand hours of content very easily because people were like, yeah, sure, we'll try it. It was, you know, non-exclusive and Avon and SVOD was still being defined, but we just wanted it for this particular platform. It was not clear, but there were a lot of things in it that were very forward thinking, like cross promotion. How are we going to vote? What you put into digital is what you get out was a philosophy I developed very early on and mm. still see it to be true today. Mm. Um, especially now with the mass. But the second online platform at Porchlight we were launching was uh, Kid Videos, which was essentially set up at that time, very early, too early, mm. to be a, um, a YouTube for kids. And I went to film camps all around the world, got UGC content, went to a nursing home and had them watch the content to make sure it was appropriate. Copa was, you know, in a conversation that we were having on a daily basis. Right. 
you know, the online privacy protection act for kids. We, I've always taken very serious and feel like I know it, you know, inside and out. Mm. I'm supposed to, right? <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, took a brief hiatus to um, go over to Cookie Jar and learn licensing and merchandising. I uh, was at the end of my contract with Porchlight and I got a call and offered that job and it was something I hadn't done. You know, I'd negotiated, I'd delivered, I'd built online platforms, I'd, you know, bought and sold animation and live action, produced it. Now licensing and merchandising I felt was exciting because it rounded out the, the skill set. And mm-hmm. at that time I started to develop what was becoming the first licensed app deals. So I was taking some of our top brands and these companies don't really exist anymore and getting a license fee, a traditional license fee, and then they were paying to build the app and mm-hmm. it was going out into the market. So Strawberry Shortcake was a great example of that. And, you know, we had Richard Scarry and a few others, Johnny Test, exciting times. And we also had Jaru, which was a programmatic channel, uh, sort of taken over from the Deke days. Um, that was, you know, to be like an online television channel where you would tune in at a certain time. Um, after Cookie Jar, and this was before they sold to DHX, um, I moved back to New York at that point. I was in California and started my own agency which I called Baby Toes Media. Um, and it basically was formed for three different reasons, because I could go in and help large catalogs monetize their rights safely and effectively, Avon and SVOD, and create social strategies that went beyond just saying, we're going to put it on YouTube, because right. that's not a strategy. Um, the second was building brands from the digital ground up. You know, the traditional broadcast model wasn't working so much anymore for people. They were in discussions for so many years. They had great content they wanted to get out there. What's an alternative way of getting that done? Um, very innovative sort of time when I started doing that. And then, of course, working with the platforms themselves. So most of the online channels that are out there, I've actually worked with them and from a business development perspective of, do you want to be AVOD and SVOD? What does that look like from an economic perspective? What kind of content do you need to acquire? How should you get that content? What does that deal look like? And then, of course, um, you know, how are you going to market and promote this? Um, so um, so it's, it, it's fair to call you one of the OGs I would, of, I of, love of, this. Of, of the kids' space. I do know most of the notorious B.I.G. lyrics by heart. <laughs> <laughs> if only history was taught in rap, I would know everything. <laughs> I think that, that's, that, that's maybe a separate series. That, that is. That, that start. But how, how, did you, how did you get to Kidoodle? I mean, I know yeah. you've, you've been talking with the guys for, for a while. Yeah. yeah, so I was you know, working with some of these large catalogs, monetizing their, you know, their rights. And I, it was my job to know every platform and how they were operating. And of course I knew the Kadoodle folks and, you know, I was doing deals with them prior to my actually being a part of the team and, uh, really loved and felt inspired by my conversations with Michael Lowe and Neil Gruninger, who, I feel like we're very forward thinkers and we aligned in so many ways and our passions, it was like it clicked. And I always use relationship analogies. Anybody who knows me knows that I love to access this conversation because I felt like I found sort of my match in a way and a place where I could harness my skills and per, you know go after my passion of creating digital playgrounds for kids that were safe and also uh, be backed and aligned and, you know, uh, have a, a nurturing environment to do so um, where we were all on the same page. Because often, and especially in large companies, things could be very disconnected and take a long time. And there's a lot of red tape. And 
you know, we we have a lot of resources, so it was a no-brainer right. for us. It just it's really natural still today, even how we communicate, and just the respect we have for each other. And, 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 and for, the, for for people who are listening who aren't familiar with Cadoodle, um, I mean, how do you explain what it is? Yes, um, I mean, I, I I gave sort of a little intro blurb, but I mean, you can you can do Let's much recap. better than than Cadoodle um, is a safe alternative to YouTube. Mm-hmm. YouTube is not for children. It says it right there on the terms and conditions. Um, and so there was a need in the market. And Kadoodle has been around since 2012, arguably a very different time in our business. Um, I don't know, was, was that was the original vision the original, with Kadoodle? Yeah, and it started as an SVOD platform, right. a service you would pay for. And as times changed, it was abundantly clear that we needed to offer a hybrid model of advertising revenue um, and you know subscription uh, model. So... We said, you know, we, we looked at the company and how it was running, and of course, Avod makes more sense. We are certified kids safe, mm. so we adhere to all the COPA GDPR regulations. Um, and ideally, when I say safe alternative to YouTube, we are. We're a site for children under 12, and we're available in 140 countries. So we've got the reach, and we've got an ecosystem that's been created to foster a safe environment. That there's not going to be, you know, six clicks away from something harmful like a Minecraft porn or an Elsa Gate that we all know about. You can Google the fears of YouTube easily and find out. Um, And what I'm trying to do and what my mission and passion is, and I will continue to talk about in a variety of different ways, is, you know, there's two choices out there. There's the the YouTube choice for parents and now there's the Kadoodle choice, which there wasn't another option for a long time. Right. And as industry executives and producers and content right holders, now there's another opportunity to generate AVOD revenue. In a lot of ways, I consider it found money. If you're already out there for free on YouTube, you might as well take that same content and put it in our safe ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And when did you, like, you talk about sort of using both of those business models. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, like, and I suppose it was the founders who went through this experience, mm-hmm. how long did it take for them to realize? okay, we need to think about more than just subscription. Not too long. I mean, Netflix right. was around. You yeah. know, Netflix has invested. It's public knowledge even more so now today with the news. How much they spend on you, you, and everybody else that you'll see on the streets. Um, and marketing dollars for every digital platform have always been an issue. And YouTube has such a, a, a reach, and everybody knows it. And even though they're a last leader for Alphabet in a lot of ways, they're, they're not going anywhere. Mm. But again, that's still not safe for kids. And YouTube Kids, while set up, I would you know say there's still some, some issues there, primarily around the fact that it's an algorithm and not a human being, which is right. one of the things that sets us apart. And, and so Kadoodle is completely curated in terms by of the humans. content experience. Yeah. By, by humans, by no, ro- human, no robots whatsoever. No robots, okay. um, although I feel like one sometimes. No, I, uh, <laughs> on all of our business cards and email signatures, the first part of our title is always how we're connected to a child. I'm connected mm-hmm. as a mom. Uh, Michael Lowe is a dad, co-founder, Neil's an uncle. Um, so we're all going to always have that at the forefront of what we're doing because it's the reason why we do it. Right. And when you, when you today, when you know when you look at sort of Kadoodle's business model, it's still split between subscription and, mm-hmm. and AVOD. So how does that, can you explain sure. how that works? So we operate a hybrid SVOD, AVOD, as you're saying. About 90% of our business is AVOD. 
and maybe 10% is SVOD because let's face it, no parent wants to pay for yet another subscription. And the only advantage to having the SVOD model besides removing the ads is that you can set the parental controls and access our technology called Family Moments, which is a separate part of our business that is a, you know, this is another conversation really, but it's about, it's a platform that's created to safely upload your pictures of your children and share with your friends and family as opposed to putting it out there, you know, in permanence on Facebook or Instagram, which is another one of my sort of tangents that I could go on to. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, th- I mean, this, this, the split is interesting. So, mm-hmm. do, you know, uh, who is your audience? This was from a parental perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they obviously, I mean, if you know, looking at the distribution between sort of the free and subscription, you've got some parents that, that I guess, care about the price point, mm-hmm. also care about the functionality, others who just want a free service. I mean, how do you think about that, that sort of parental base? Who, yeah. who are they? And, 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 and I suppose a related question, um, why do they use Kadoodle and not YouTube? Right. No, great questions. Um, you know, as a parent myself, I know that a parental control or sleep timer is kind of like the automatic window in my car. I don't really think about it. It's just, everybody has it. It's not a selling point anymore in the industry. And as a busy parent who pays for Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, I mean, it just goes on. I don't I'm not paying any more money. I don't, no way, Jose, if it's available and it's a safe ecosystem, which ties into why you would choose it, because my daughter is not going on YouTube because I'm an educated parent and we have to figure out how to communicate with our digitally native educated parents in a better way because we're all a product of technology. All parents today have had technology in their life since they were little. I mean, there was a time when the internet didn't exist when I was a child, but now it does. And you can't imagine a world without it. But within that comes a conversation about safety online because there's a lot of things that are uncontrolled um, on the internet. And of course, what does a healthy household look like with streaming? Mm. What, what, is, what does that look like? How do you control that and not use it as, not continue to focus on teaching addiction to children? Uh, you know, the flip phone's coming back because people are addicted to their smartphone. Digital detoxes are huge conversations. We are, our children always see us with the phone. Um, maybe not at the dinner table if you're one of those families, but you know we've got to we've got to start integrating healthy, just like we talk about healthy eating, mm. healthy screen time habits, and mm-hmm. you know Kadoodle fits into that as well. The primary audience is an educated parent, right? You right, know right. who cares about their safety, the safety of their children. Yeah, and I, I think I mean, how do you then back that into your content strategy mm. for Kadoodle? I mean, sure, because you've got uh, I mean. You are mostly licensing content, or are you creating new content now as well? What's 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 the mix, and how do you think about it? Um, so right now, I'm I'm primarily focused on acquiring content that is obviously very strong, performs well on YouTube. Uh, it's, YouTube's incredibly transparent. You can pretty much tell what somebody's going to be getting in terms of CPMs based off of their viewership. Right. Um, so my strategy is really twofold. I'm, I'm looking for that content that has a proven record hmm. on YouTube. So, so YouTube is is really your your your, yeah. sorry, your proving ground for the content. Absolutely, it's oh. completely open. I can go on there and say. Here is a show uh, that is that is doing very well. Take that same content and put it on Kadoodle and make a CPM that's not an arbitrary algorithm that's going to change. Our CPMs are very competitive as well. 
Um, and again, it's the safe streaming platform for children. So mm. why wouldn't you do that as a content owner or a content creator? Um, the second part of it is going to all of our friends in the industry who make shows for a living and sell them to broadcasters and saying, let's take your non-exclusive AVOD rights and mm. you know further promote your show or let's look at your catalog. What do you have in there that you're putting on YouTube also? Most people are. you know, After sort of the conversation that people were monetizing on YouTube, FOMO set in and everybody was fearful they were going to miss out on revenue and bosses were calling people on their team and saying, figure this out. And so they did. And so for, 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 for those content creators, I mean, are they, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of chatter about sort of CPMs falling for kids content mm. or on kids content across YouTube. Yes. You're able to offer um, sort of a more dependable CPM mm -hmm. as well as, as, as sort of, you know, additional revenue that they simply wouldn't be able to access. Yeah. So the CPM is a set rate. I'll never change on you. It'll never change because the wind right. blows to the West today and, you know, we didn't have as many viewers and we're in 140 countries. So it's important to notate that in some territories, we're not making the CPM that we're offering. We're amortizing across the board mm -hmm. and we're betting that that content's going to do something big based off of you know, ex uh, the brand awareness that it already has, um, or simply looking at YouTube on how it's performing. Um, within that, and working with the content creators is cross-promotion conversations. To go back to what you put into digital is what you get out of it. One other thing that Kadoodle has is a social strategy team. So we actually have somebody who's going to communicate with you and have a conversation to further your efforts, which is important as any company in this business is moving forward to really know what the social strategy is because it's not just putting it on YouTube. It goes far beyond. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Is that, mm -hmm. is that creating a community around the content or how, how do you think about it? Awareness, really, and how are you going to get to, especially with preschool content, you know, how are you going to get to the mom? Because she's the one who's going to get, you know, see it first, and she's the one who's making. And I use mom loosely, obviously. Dad mm. plays into this, nanny, caregiver. Um, not to, to segment, but, you know, that's that's who's making the household decisions is the parents. So i got to get them first. And where are they? They're on Instagram. Their parents are probably on Facebook now. That's mm. a changed platform and <laughs> also helps with my case of a safe streaming platform for kids after right. seeing uh, what happened there. Um, but uh, it, it definitely ties into you know the safe streaming across the board, and right. you know it's it, this is something I'll talk about later as a content owner, and I love using this example with gamers that I talk to. These people who've made a lot of money playing video games on YouTube. Well done, that's amazing. I'm always in awe of you. But you have a, a decision to make, and it's a moral one. Kids are watching your shows, mm -hmm. and they're six clicks away from harm, and you know that. So you have an opportunity on a non-exclusive basis, very non-committal relationship. You can totally mm -hmm. see other people to put it on Kadoodle and make a, a CPM, and they will always say that YouTube messes with them with their CPM, mm -hmm. and they can't depend on it, and mm -hmm. how could they change it on me like this? So do you want to be somewhere safe for kids because they're watching it? And two, do you want to have extra money? Sure. And I mean, there have been a few companies who've been trying to tackle this mm. over the years. Do you feel that, you know, your, the success that you're starting to see now is a function of doing something differently or is it a function of timing in terms of where the market is generally? Oh, life is all about timing, right? But I would say that having worked and know so much about the platforms that no one's ever come out with a specific direction like this. It'll come out as an app or it'll come out as a hybrid model with absolutely no marketing. The focus will be on Amazon, uh, 
their focus will be on uh, paying for content, which of course is incredibly difficult to keep your business operating if you're paying traditional license fees in a in a in a digital deal where the business model is completely different than mm-hmm. what a traditional license deal would be. Um, so we are completely set apart in that regard. And also out there full front, I mean, this is the first of many conversations you'll hear about Kadoodle positioning itself. I mean, the mission is not just to educate the industry that, hello, wake up as executives in the children's media space. It's our obligation to take care of children. This mm-hmm. is what we do. And we're putting them in danger when we're putting content on YouTube and saying, here, go down a dark alleyway full of drug addicts. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. No one's going to hold your hand. And saying to mom as well, there is another choice for you. Right. Well, well let's let, let's talk about YouTube. Hmm. Um, because there are, there are many, many things to say about them. I mean, you know, and, and, and you don't sort of hold back, I think, in, in, in terms of your criticism of, of what they are not doing. YouTube have obviously rolled out YouTube Kids. Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel that is effectively a PR exercise for them? Or do you feel it's a, it's a sincere effort? Well, um, I am a lover, not a fighter, so I'm not looking to pick a fight after school on the basketball courts, but I will say that I don't feel the efforts have been successful, and the reason I feel that about YouTube Kids is because it's still an algorithm. There was Mm. never a human approach to it that made any sense, and you know, it, there's a lot that can slip through the cracks. And without, uh, we need a human connection in there. It can't just be, mm-hmm. you know, dependent on a technology. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's, it's you know, having a, a human curated and, and sort of fully moderated experience is just completely um, against the principles that, that YouTube and Google have? I mean, they've always been about automation, mm-hmm. algorithm, uh, algorithmically driven um, activities. Yeah. Do you think they can ever truly grasp what's needed in the kids' space? I hope so. I think they should be doing more about it. Mm-hmm. I, you don't cross the street with your kid without holding their hand, mm-hmm. and they need someone to hold hands right now with what's going on to the platform. Things can slip through the cracks. And it also, you know, when you're looking at big brands like a Peppa Pig, which there's been a lot of controversy around that brand, you know, it could get it could get flagged or tagged and put in and there could be something in the background or it could be videotaped off someone's TV. It's there's a lot of question around it. And I think from a marketing perspective, and here you go, YouTube, it could be great if you came out and said the approach is changing and we're mm-hmm. going to put someone uh, around that there should be safe options for children and Kadoodle is one of those options and if YouTube takes a better stance that's great then there's another choice because we NBC ABC and CBS is Netflix Amazon and Hulu and now there's other channels to watch on TV so this is TV let's right, right. you know take care of the digital experience that kids are used to having and, and demand having right and, and who else do you like in the space I mean when you look around um, at I suppose other startups or other players on the, on the content side on the content you, you know who, well name whoever you want in the, in the kid tech space but I, I suppose who do you think is doing a good job in certain areas and, and why and who, who, who sort of reminds you of, of the Kadoodle mission well if I didn't start with you that would be very rude and it would be um ignorant of me not to say because you were one of the first pioneers and became what I always refer to as a brand name. Whenever I'm talking to someone about acquiring content and I say we only have ads that are safe for kids, you will only see things that are appropriate for children. I say we work with the likes of Super Awesome. They know who you are because you've already paved the way. So thank you for that. You brought light to a conversation that was 
you know, in a room that was dark. There are no safe ads for kids on YouTube right now. And mm. you can go and see an Elmo video and a woman in a shower that's half naked or a furnace ad. I mean, this is not, right. you know, a kid-friendly ad or worse. Mm. But, um, you know, you really paved the way and, and gave space for the conversation of safety and of course, you know, Shai Samet with his efforts with Kids Safe and helping people understand COPA compliancy, that's an invaluable education and it's, it has to be adhered to. And there, you cannot take loopholes. You will get in trouble. Um, again, obligation for safety. Um, and then most recently, and I'm very um, excited to say that I've, I've recently done a deal with them and hope to have a long, beautiful relationship is Moonbug. They're going on YouTube and saying, hey, that's a popular channel, Little Baby Bum Bum. We're mm. going to buy that. We're going to take care of this channel. And we're going to take that same content and put it on Kadoodle TV. Mm. Because, sure, keep living on YouTube. But there's going to be that parent that says, I don't want my kid on YouTube. But I, I know Kadoodle. I can trust Kadoodle. Mm. I'll put them there. And, of course, it's a hit show on Netflix. So it's a great example tying into my strategy of hit things that work on YouTube and putting them on Kadoodle. And what, I mean, when you think about sort of parents in the mix of mm. all this, we, we talked about them earlier a little bit, but do you think their views around safety are evolving? I mean, we're sort of getting to a point now where you've almost got a second generation of parents who have kids on YouTube, mm -hmm. right? So they've seen a lot over the last sort of 10 years. Do, do, do you see that changing or is it still more or less the same than, than, than sort of uh, as, as four or five years ago? Changed. It's changed. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, because he sat in front of people who didn't understand what the internet was and brought mm. up safety. We were all in. A do, you, risky do you mean Zuckerberg system. bringing it up because of all well, the breaches they with had with the it. breaches around the yeah. election and the Russians and all of that? And it was a conversation starter that entered the home in a different way than ever before. And we hear mm. it all the time. I hear it as a professional and as a parent. Parents are more scared today than ever about what's going on on YouTube because they know about Elsa Gate. They know about Minecraft porn. They know about terrorist videos. They know these things are happening. It's more mainstream, and, and we hear it every day that these kids are getting recommended content they shouldn't see. They they turn their back for a second. They're busy. We're busy. Mm -hmm. You know, We have to be busy. We're just living in a fast-paced world. We can't always be sitting there and monitoring everything, and, and that is not a safe place to go. And so, you know, again, it, it created the, the the need, the desire for a safe alternative, and again, insert Kadoodle here. Right. And, uh, I mean, when you are thinking about product development, I mean, first of all, how big is the team? We're still under 25, 30 people. We're expanding quite rapidly. No, no, no. Small, small yeah. is a beautiful thing. I, Everyone I really feels prefer, the need to be big. No, I I, yeah, the white noise that exists within the big companies. We're doing an advertising um, spread right now, and the way it's turned around is incredibly fast because we're, we're, we're all attached. Our CRM tools are beyond amazing. Right. My favorite part of life is that organization tool that I have now. And of course, how we communicate. And we're all in different parts. I'm based in New York. The team is right. mostly based in Calgary. We have some people in Los Angeles. So, you know, we work in a, in a real life digital world, you know, and different time zones. And your, the, the question I was gonna ask was about your, your product development team mm. and how you, because it's, it's a real challenge to build you know, digital products that are used by kids that also have parental involvement mm -hmm. in them because you're, you're really thinking about two separate audiences. Yes. So how does, how does your team manage that dichotomy? Um, I work, I'm very lucky to be working with some very smart people. I was on the phone with the product development gentleman this mm -hmm. morning and 
in 2019, and I can get into this, we're looking at co-production opportunities. Mm. And this is on the content side. Yes, definitely. on the content side. So go beyond just acquiring completed content, you know, owning it and taking a bigger stance and really harnessing what that experience is that kids are going after. And within that is how do we build the technology? It's not how do we. We build the technology around how the content is going to be made. That could be from the animation process to features within the content. Mm. You know, um, ever since I've been in the business, choose your own adventure has always been sort of loosely used at the boardroom about, well, this show could be like a choose your own adventure. And now Netflix is doing something about that. But I think it goes a step further Mm. and really harnessing that digitally native kids um, desire to really be part of the brand, making it more of an experience brand. And we can only do that with the technology to back it. That, that's interesting because I think, you know, if you look at sort of kids' digital entertainment over, let's say, the last 10 years, it's, it's gone from being very, I suppose, interactive driven um, in terms of gaming content, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of two-way to very kind of one-way mm-hmm. when you think about sort of, you know, streaming video. Mm-hmm. And now you're sort of talking about it almost sort of reverting back to something much more interactive. Yeah. You know, do, do you is do you think that's sort of a real trend that's just on the horizon, or is that going to be a part of video content? How, how do you think? I think that? it's definitely going to be a part of video content. I mean, gender neutrality kind of kicked off the conversation, and not segmenting things for girls and boys, and of course, feeling a connection. You see it with the LOL ball. Mm. You know, that's consistent joy. It's like prolonged joy. You unwrap one more thing, one more thing. You just, the minute you get, you're in it, the minute you see it, you know why you're connected and you can't wait to get to the next part, the next part. You also see it with, to the LOL ball point with the unboxing videos. I mean, that was a huge rage when that started. Kids couldn't get enough of that. Um, And the experience of watching one of those shows is, you know, can I have that? I want to do that too. And you could do anything. And there's a hopefulness within that context for kids it's not so segmented, you mm. know, like but, it used to be. But it's but that's still sort of you know looking at pre-recorded mm. video content, yeah. right? I mean, the, this this notion and what sort of Netflix seems to be experimenting with as well mm-hmm. is really starting to bring this, you know, back to sort of those those principles of of choose your own adventure, as you say. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm curious, like with with the co-pro that you're looking at. You know, are you thinking that way specifically, or is it sort of general content co-production? It's very much in the early days. So there's a little bit of back and forth that's still going on internally and testing. And what I hope to launch is something that's not been done. I mean, that's the only way that it will work for us is if we have an innovative approach to it that is backed by a proprietary technology or an innovative way of creating animation for half the cost, less than half the cost in a shorter time frame, not looking at pumping out the same kind of milking the same cow um, over and over again. So you're not you're not you're not trying to be Netflix. No, not at but, all. But you are you do want to sort of create your own and that almost sounds like you're describing very very proprietary content, mm-hmm. not just in terms of the IP, but how it's being experienced, if I'm Yes, absolutely. You're hearing co- you right. You're correct. And it's important because you know you go to Kadoodle for a reason. We're mm-hmm. safe, right? Number one. Number two, we have great content, and and soon it'll be because you want to see one of your favorite shows, um, and it really backs up you know the, the the safety part. I don't know how many times I say the word a day, but it, it's I, I, 
it's been missing in the conversation. And you've, you've trademarked, we were talking before we went on air, you've mm-hmm. trademarked safe streaming. We did. As, we, as a concept. How, how do you define that? <laughs> well, um, it, it, it says it all, safe streaming. <laughs> it really says it all. Um, I feel like it really kind of ties into, um, you know, the awareness of dangers of YouTube. And uh, one of our, one of the marketing strategy actually is one of my parenting techniques. So I say to my beautiful five-year-old, I say, would you like to make a good decision or a bad decision? And as parents, as humans, we're faced with good decisions and bad decisions. This could be arguing over a bath, eating her dinner. Mm. And I always say, do you want to make a good decision or a bad decision? Here's what a good one looks like. Here's what a bad one looks like. And ultimately, as a parent, you know, we're offering a good decision. So that is the safe streaming strategy. It's a, it's just a no-brainer good decision. Uh, one of our marketing campaigns is a chaotic scene that essentially shows that in a second, things could go wrong. And this is with anybody in life. Um and we can be a safe alternative to that. So. I must, I must try uh, deploying that as a management strategy. Sure. That sounds very interesting. Are you making a good decision or a bad? <laughs> I ask myself that too when I'm, you know, frustrated in a store or on the subway, stuck underground. Yeah. How do, what kind of decision do I want to make? You know. And when you, I mean, I suppose speaking somewhat about decisions and and. Uh, you know the future of, of the the kids content space mm-hmm. I mean you have seen I suppose several cycles come and go mm-hmm. um, in the sector are you broadly optimistic about the landscape for, for, for kids content and kids digital media I mean how are you you know we're start of 2019 how are you feeling I'm feeling very optimistic I feel that uh, the efforts that we have are, are going to be bigger than I could have ever imagined uh, the effort that's going into this is 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 very big and not just educating the industry through the likes of podcasts or magazine interviews or panels but getting to that digitally native mom which is a term that I've always used and I am one and again mom can include dad caregiver even grandma at this point to understand that there is a good decision and a bad decision YouTube is just a bad decision for children to be unsupervised on and Kadoodle is a good, is a good decision. And the way in which we're growing and the speed in which we're growing, I know there will be other platforms, just like there's so many different pieces of luggage that have a phone charger now and promise to be the most organized bag there is. There's thousands of them now. Have you, have you bought any of those I pieces did, of luggage? I did. Did you really? I did not go for millennial pink. I went for black, which today I'm wearing a pop of white to spice things up. But uh, <laughs> I'm in a black world. <laughs> black clothing world. I'm a New Yorker. But I will say I'm incredibly optimistic. I'm optimistic because every conversation I have, I'm not met with anything besides a complete agreement that we need to have a safer alternative. And it's found money, again, a new way to make money. So mm. people are hopeful about that. And, you know, we're seeing um, we're seeing large checks go out to our content providers. Some of our shows get over a million views, and we're on track in this quarter to get 100 million views. That number will grow. Mm. So we're all con- our content library, and every day... I'm closing a new content deal, which is exciting because I like making deals, but also new content's going up so it's fresh. You're you're going to come and have a different opportunity to view something new. And in a lot of cases, something that you never would have seen before because if you're just reliant on Netflix or YouTube or you have a traditional cable subscription and 
you know, PBS is your go-to. Mm. You're going to see something cool from another part of the world, mm. which was always an exciting thing when I traveled is watching cartoons in another country. Right. It was like, why didn't we have this on <laughs> in the U.S.? Small part of the market, right? Well, in terms of good decisions and bad decisions and everything associated with that, I think uh, it was an excellent decision to have you on this <laughs> series. So thank you. Brenda Bizner, Kadoodle TV, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Dylan.